to the movies past and present podcast it's december 17th 2021 and this is episode 77 i'm your host stanford clark and i'm podcasting from the crossroads of the west in beautiful salt lake city utah just like my blog moviespastandpresent.com i'll be providing recommendations commentary and reviews about current and classic cinema thanks for tuning in and let's do this thing New in theaters, we've got a lot of films that are showing up here this Christmas season. And I think um, the Hollywood, main Hollywood studios are hoping that people uh, might start showing up at the theater again. So we've got some films that are opening up today on Friday, December 17th. And then also some more that are opening up next Wednesday, December 22nd, just before Christmas. So uh, first up is Nightmare Alley which is a drama slash film noir from Searchlight Pictures. It's directed by Academy Award winner Guillermo del Toro. Uh, this is actually a remake of a 1947 film noir that starred Tyrone Power. And uh, I saw it the other day on Turner Classic Movies and thought it was pretty good. So in Nightmare Alley, an ambitious carny, as a, you know, a carnival worker, um, who in the original was played by Tyrone Power in this in this new retelling of the story, uh, the Carney's played by Bradley Cooper. Um, this Carney has a talent for manip- manipulating people with a few well-chosen words. And he hooks up with a female psychiatrist, who in this remake is played by Kate Blanchett, who is even more dangerous than he is. And that's the truth. <laughs> they, and from the trailer, it looks like they, yes, they're sticking to this uh, story, um, again, that I saw in, in the original film. They've got a big, a, a, you know, good cast. As mentioned, Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett. There's Tony Collette, William Defoe, um, Richard Jenkins, Rooney Mara, Ron Perlman, and David Strathairn. And uh, again, it, lo- it, it looks to be pretty solid. Uh, Nightmare Alley is rated R by the Motion Picture Association for strong, bloody violence, some sexual content, nudity, and language, none of which were in the 1947 version, or it was off-screen or implied. So anyway, uh, welcome to the world. So... Next up is American Underdog. This is a biopic from Lionsgate. It's directed by Andrew Irwin and John Irwin, um, a.k.a. the Irwin Brothers. Um, And it tells the inspirational true story of NFL quarterback Kurt Warner, who in the film was played by Zachary Levi. Uh, As you may know, know, Warner, who's really got an inspiring story. Um, He went from basically being, uh, he was stocking shelves at a grocery store or, you know, just working these kind of menial jobs to keep it going, um, to becoming a two-time NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, and Hall of Fame quarterback. The film centers on Warner's unique story and years of challenges and setbacks that could have derailed his aspirations to become an NFL player. But just when his dream seemed all but out of reach, it is only with the support of his wife, Brenda, uh, who in the film is played by Anna Paquin, and the encouragement of his family, coaches, and teammates that Warner perseveres and finds the strength to show the world the champion that he already is. Uh, I think this is trying to be a, you know clearly an uplifting sports uh, film, and, and and what is you know the source material 
would definitely point to that. Let's hope let's hope they've done a good job with it. Uh, American Underdog is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for some language and thematic elements. Next up is Spider-Man No Way Home. This is a comic book slash superhero movie from Columbia uh, and Marvel Studios. It's directed by John Watts. And of course, this is based on the Marvel comic book series by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. It's also the third film in kind of this homecoming trilogy uh, of Spider-Man movies. All of these have been directed by John Watts, and all of them have starred Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And uh, for the first time in the cinematic history of Spider-Man, our friendly neighborhood hero's identity has uh, been revealed, bringing his superhero responsibilities into conflict with his normal life and putting those he cares about most at risk. That happened in this in the last uh, film, uh, as uh, as we know, when he enlists Doctor Strange's help to restore his secret. The spell tears a hole in their world, releasing the most powerful villains who've ever fought a Spider-Man in any universe. Now Peter will have to overcome his greatest challenge yet, which will not only forever alter his own future but the future of the multiverse. You know, I'm not a comic book reader. But as you know, in Spider-Man comics, there's this multiverse thing going on where, like, there are like different versions of Spider-Man that exist in, the, in these different different realms, and uh, or, or or different versions of of, of uh, life on Earth. And of course, it's a little mind blowing. But it looks like this film. Well, I, well, I know this it, it is because I got to see the film, and I'll be reviewing it later in the podcast. But uh, they, they, uh, they take this multiverse stuff and run with it, and it's really fun. So, uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home again stars Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Zendaya is back in it as MJ. Uh, Jacob Batalon is is back as 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 uh, Peter Parker's buddy Ned. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch plays Doctor Strange. Uh, you know who's 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 also played played the character in other in other one of these others of these Marvel Studio films. Um and Marissa Tomei is back in it as Aunt May. So Spider-Man No Way Home is rated PG thirteen by the Motion Picture Association for sequences of action violence, some language, and brief subjective suggestive comments. And again I'll be reviewing uh the film in today's podcast. Uh opening up on Wednesday, December twenty second now, we've got uh three additional films. Uh, all of you know varied genre and and interest. First up is Sing Two, which I have really no interest in. But this is a, a sequel to Sing. Shockingly, an animated musical comedy from uh, Illumination and Universal. Um, it's directed by Garth Jennings. The latest chapter in Illumination's Smash animated franchise arrives with big dreams and spectacular hit songs as the ever optimistic Koala. Uh, Buster Moon, who is voiced by Matthew McConaughey, and his all-star cast of performers, who are all returning from the original uh, film, prepared to launch their most dazzling stage extravaganza yet, all in Red Shore City, the glittering entertainment capital of the world. From the previews, it kind of looks like it's it's an animated Las Vegas, but anyway, I don't know. A chance Rex, I'm not going to know because I don't think I'm going to see this. Uh, but there's just one hitch. The group has to persuade the world's most reclusive rock star, who uh, 
has actually they've got Bono from U2 to voice his character as his animated film debut. For whatever reason, they have to get him to join them. Um, back, you know, back in the cast are uh, Reese Witherspoon as Rosita, Scarlett Johansson voices the porcupine Ash, um, Taron Ed- Egerton voices the gorilla Johnny. Um, anyway, it looks to me like it's you know a lot of the same folks from from the first film. Uh, and uh, there you have it. So hopefully it's going to be a fun film for families. Uh, Sing 2 is rated PG by the Motion Picture Association for some rude material and mild peril violence. Now for something <laughs> completely different, again, is The King's Man. This is an action-adventure from 20th and an ultra-violent one uh, from 20th Century Studios. It's directed by Matthew Vaughn uh, as a collection of history's worst tyrants, and criminal masterminds gather to plot a war to wipe out millions. One man must race against time to stop them. Discover the origins of the very first independent intelligence agency in The King's Man. So this is a continuation. I think that actually this is, this, I believe this is more of a prequel. But uh, to The Kingsman movies that uh, have been put out again. And they all been, have been directed by Matthew Vaughn. This movie... I kind of feel for it in that I think they've been trying to release it for like two years. Uh, and then, you know, just because of COVID, it kept getting pushed out. But it finally is opening up next week. I'm mostly grateful because I'm sick to death of the preview. <laughs> theaters. But um, one thing I did learn is that this is based on a comic book called The Secret Service by Mark Millar and Dave Gibson. Uh, excuse me, Dave Gibbons. And, um, anyway, uh, the, you know, the things you learn, uh, this film stars Rafe Fiennes, Gemma Arterton, Reese Ifans, uh, Tom Hollander, Harris Dickinson, and Daniel Bruhl. It's rated R by the Motion Picture Association for sequences of strong, bloody violence, language, and some sexual material, all of which I believe because, uh, I felt I I didn't love the other Kingsman films just because they they were a little um, too violent for my taste. So I'm probably going to skip this one. Uh, and there you have it. Um, last up, though, opening up next week is a long-awaited. Well, I guess it's one of those movies that I didn't think that I needed, but I'm actually very excited to see it. It's The Matrix Revolutions. So we've got another Matrix movie. This is a sci-fi action pick. It's from Warner Brothers. Um, directed again by Lana Wachowski. And um, it's the long-awaited next chapter in the groundbreaking franchise that redefined the genre. You know, I, I, I recently re-watched the original Matrix and just was reminded, just, that's really just such a stunning, a visually stunning movie. You know, it's not perfect, but... but uh, Really supremely entertaining sci-fi, and and I, I just got me just got me uh, excited for for this new new version. Uh, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are back in the iconic roles they made famous as Neo and Trinity, and in the Matrix Resurrections, um, return to a world of two realities: one everyday life, and then the other, you know, what lies behind it. Um, to find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct to truly know himself 
uh, Mr. Anderson, <laughs> a.k.a. Neo, a.k.a. Keanu Reeves, uh, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. Um, and if Neo has learned anything, it's that choice while an illusion is still the only way out of or into the Matrix. Um, of course, Neo already knows what he has to do, but what does he doesn't yet know is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and more dangerous than ever before. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm excited. It looks like it's going to be, uh, you know, it, I think it has potential to be to be interesting. Let's hope it's good. It's opening in theaters on December 22nd uh, because it's Warner Brothers picture being released in 2021. It's also going to be available on HBO Max um, next week, also on December 22nd. So uh, anyway, uh, Matrix Resurre- the Matrix Resurrections is rated R by the Motion Picture Association for Violence and some language. So lots of interesting choices for this Christmas holiday. And hope uh, you can go out and have some fun at and and uh, be safe at the movie theater. For reviews this week, first up, I'd like to review Steven Spielberg's adaptation of West Side Story. Now, as you know, you know West Side Story was a hit Broadway play. Uh, it opened in 1957. And the film version, that is definitely one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, was released in 1961. That was directed, co-directed by... Uh, Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins, and also uh, just cleaned house at the Academy Awards that year, including winning, uh, you know, best directors for for Wise and Robbins, and also best uh, picture that year. When I heard that Steven Spielberg, who's again one of my favorite living directors, uh, was wanting to revisit this this uh material i just kind of rolled my eyes frankly i just thought why do we need another version of west side story but then i started you know thinking about it and getting more excited about it because um you know i think the material is timeless and also sadly still very relevant for the way our society is today and then I just absolutely love the music so much by Leonard Bernstein and then of course the lyrics by the by the uh late great Stephen Sondheim. So anyway, I kind of changed my tune about it. I recently saw uh an interview with Steven Spielberg and he was just really focused on the 1957 play. So not really interested in, you know, a quote-unquote remake. I like the word adaptation. I also like the word revival. <laughs> You're thinking about maybe this is a more of a, a musical revival of, of the material, uh, you know, that often happens on Broadway with, with classic shows. This movie is stunning. Uh, I can't 
speak highly enough of of of, the, of this film. Uh, again, going in, not necessarily with trepidation, but just again, kind of curiosity, and you know, within ten minutes, I, I was I was I was completely. I was just absolutely completely mesmer- mesmerized by it all. Spielberg uh, worked with writer, screenwriter Tony Kushner, and they it's, they, it's West Side Story. You know, they, they didn't change it, but they added a few details or some other minor modifications. Again, to more you know, again to the film version that I'm more accustomed to, and I I, I should say I, I I've never seen a, a a high like a professional version of this show on the stage. I've seen uh, like a high school production and whatnot, but but never never a you know an actual professional uh, kind of Broadway caliber production. So I'm mostly just familiar with the film, but uh, still Spielberg was focused on. That that 1957 stage version, uh, as a boy, he said in this interview, um, his parents had the original Broadway cast recording of this show, and he was just, uh, you know, possessed <laughs> with by it. Uh, he's loved it, and so it's always been kind of in the back of his mind. And then finally, kind of late in his career, he decided to tackle it. It's it's his first musical, and. Wow, he just—I think he just hit it, hit, hit it out of the park. Uh, again, not being a director, but I—I don't—I I don't think musicals are particularly easy to make, or particularly uh, you know, or to make a good one. There's so much going on, you know, as far as uh, how you film the choreography, um, how the actors kind of break into song. Is it organic, or is it you know, does it feel? Does it does it feel forced? There's so much stuff. There's so much stuff going on, and again, Spielberg is such a good filmmaker that 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 he just brings this material to life. It, it, it's such a, it's so uh, vibrant. They don't change a th- they they, ha- they didn't change a thing with the with the score with the Bernstein score. Uh, there's one song that gets that that's that's. Added, and I wouldn't even necessarily call it a song. It's it's uh, the the sharks, you know, from Puerto Rico are are uh, they, they sing a, a a Puerto Rican anthem, and uh, I think it's just more. It was it was a smart move just to show their to show their unity or to establish that. Uh, but otherwise, you've got this an amazing recording of of this Bernstein score. Uh, it was directed by Gustavo Dudamel, who you know again is a world famous conductor, and the credits say, say that it's, it's the, primarily the music was 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 done by the New York Philharmonic, and also the the Los Angeles Philharmonic contributed too, and that, and Dudamel actually is the conductor of the Los Angeles Philharmonic, but um, the music is just is is the star is one of the main stars of, of the show. Um, Spielberg also, I think, well, clearly took great care in casting this film. He wanted to make sure that everybody who was cast was was uh, ethnically appropriate. You know, uh, I think that's one of the you know many criticisms of the of the nineteen sixty one version. Um, 
and 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 he succeeds. The uh, the the casting is great because not not only are they ethnically appropriate, these are just incredibly talented performers uh, who can sing. One of the things that gets very frustrating to me about a Hollywood Hollywood musical adaptations, you know, of Broadway shows, is they often hire actors that just don't aren't really great singers, and it's so frustrating. Whereas this, these everybody's got you know. Has got chops. They they can sing, and they're the the the, the cast is 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 spectacular. Um, speaking of the cast, Rita Moreno, who played Anita in the 1961 film version, who also won an Academy Award for for that role, she uh, is back. She's 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 in this film, and and what Spielberg and against and screenwriter Kushner decided to do was was um doc who you know runs the drugstore where tony works and whereas it's kind of a hangout for uh these gang members um doc's widow who's who's a puerto rican woman named valentina who's and they and rita moreno is in this role uh she she takes over that 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 role in this in this film so so uh she's she's doc's widow but uh She's she's a wonderful presence and and gives gives really a magnificent performance too. I just uh, again I was wondering if that was going to be a good change in the and and it it was it was great. It really I thought it really worked well within the within the context of the film. Sadly, this film is just as a tra you know as much a tragedy as it ever is. That I know is one of the big problems. I don't know if I call it a problem, but. West Side Story is just so sad, you know. It's just this, this, this very preventable tragedy, and but uh, I, I, I just loved every second. Was mesmerized by Spielberg's camera work, and and uh, just wonderful storytelling, and I, I just can't recommend it enough. It's, it's definitely. I think it's it's probably my number one favorite film of the year, and uh, I, I just I just hope you'll go go see it on on the on the biggest screen possible. Uh, I had a chance to see it. Uh, I saw it on the small screen or duh, the small screen, but like just a kind of a, just a traditional movie theater, and I also got to see it in an IMAX format. And holy cow! IMAX one, I just wanted them just to play it again, just to, again to see, to see it on the big screen. But it was mostly just to hear that glorious music on the wonderful IMAX speakers. I just, um, I just loved it. So go see West Side Story. I think, I think you, you know you'll be you, you'll be in for a treat. And it's it's a it's a it's a remake that is definitely definitely worth your time and money. Uh Next up in reviews is the brand new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, I had a chance to see that today, so I'm uh, glad I can uh, just kind of talk about it right, right, uh, right after uh, I've seen it. One thing that I wish I could replicate for you all, uh, all you, all you wonderful listeners, is the chance to see. Spider-Man No Way Home in a theater full of Spider-Man fans. So because this is opening weekend, uh, you know, 
there were there the the theater that I saw it in was packed. This is the fullest movie theater I've been in since you know for eighteen plus months, and clearly just full of devoted Spider Man fans who love this character, who love these movies, and 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 also know you know know that they know the lore <laughs> they know they know the story they know the comic books they know the characters they, and, and really and they know the movies so this movie and I, i'm this is also i'll keep this spoiler free because there will be a lot of ways to spoil to spoil this movie but it actually is a wonderful uh tribute to all the spider-man movies that have come before it you know uh uh, Toby Maguire played Spider-Man. Uh, it was the first kind of, you know, big screen version of Spider-Man, um, back in the day. Uh, it got rebooted with Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. And now here we've got Tom Holland. I prefer these Tom Holland movies, uh, overall. Although the first two Spider-Man movies, uh, with Toby Maguire were, were absolutely terrific. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say. But these about about that. But this movie, oh, surprisingly, brings in uh, a kind of makes us all like come 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 full circle, which is which I thought was very which was very unexpected. As as you've seen in the trailers, uh, the premise of this film is that uh, now that now that people know who Spider-Man is, that it's Peter Parker. Uh, Peter Parker's life has just kind of gone to hell. I mean, it's just, it's so hard. He's still trying to be Spider-Man and he's still trying to go to, you know, go to school and, and, and get ready for college, etc. Keep up his relationship with MJ, but um, his life's hard. Uh, he's, he gets hounded by, by, uh, you know, the press and also anyway, all sorts of stuff going on. Um, so he has this idea that maybe he can go to to Doctor Strange, who's played by Benedict Cumberbatch. You know who's got this this um, place in New York City, uh, as uh, you know, as we learned from the Doctor Strange movie, and then from some of these other Marvel Studios things. Uh, and this spell goes the spell goes horribly wrong. I mean, it's it's Peter's fault. <laughs> but uh, what happens is rather than Everybody forgetting that, uh, you know, Peter is Spider-Man. The these portals open up, and villains from the past uh, come in. The first one that we see is is a uh, Doc Ock or Doctor Octopus that that was in one of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. And you know, you maybe you've seen a pre- been in a trailer or seen the trailer where. People kind of went nuts over that. It was just quadruple that when it actually happened in the movie theater today. That was really fun, uh, fun to experience. Uh, but also, you know, they tease it and it happens. Uh, uh, the Green Goblin comes back, and uh, anyway, uh, it's it's a problem. It's a problem for Peter and for everybody to try to. To try to solve this, um, I I've just mostly enjoyed having. I think Tom Holland, as I mentioned, is a very good Spider-Man, and uh, 
I've liked the tone that the direct the director John Watts has has set for this, where there's some grabby toss to it, but also there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of humor, and I like that you know that Peter is still in high school. That that's that's worked, and that we haven't and and uh, anyway, I think they've just done a lot of really smart things, and I just felt overall this was a very this was a very smart film that I think really most every Spider-Man fan is is going to have a, just a total blast with. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was, I just thought it was, it was really, uh, really well done. So, so, uh, definitely if you're a, if you're a Spider-Man fan, uh, go see Spider-Man No Way Home. does it for this episode of the movies past and present podcast again links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts spotify google Podcasts, and stitcher links are also on the blog and please follow me on instagram my handle is at movies pap as in past and present As always, I hope you will enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth. Thank you.